With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I want to say thank you to the Iowa Pork Producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa Pork Industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. Pour one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. HN Podcast, we have come to the point this season, it's week 13, which for all intents and purposes signals the end of the regular season. There'll be some regular season games, I guess, next week, but next week's championship week, Steve. So here we are, the end draws nigh, and we have 15 more picks for you, and a little more opportunity for Dace to sprinkle some frosting. Last week, 7 and 8. Is where Dace went. I went ten and five on the year. I'm eighty-eight and ninety-two. Steve is ninety-one and eighty-nine. Neither of us proud of those numbers. The point total battle, Dace with seven forty-five. I've got seven thirty-one. So there is some drama and intrigue in this competition for pride between the two of us. Let's dive in. Virginia Tech is on the road at Virginia. Tech is a seven-point favorite. I don't have a great feel for either of these teams. I don't watch either of them all that much. But I'm going to go ahead and take Virginia Tech and just put six on it. I'm going to go for the uh, outright upset here. And uh, I'm sprinkling some frosting on the money line mm. right at the start, right from the get-go. Uh, Virginia That's why home, people are tuning in. They like the frost. They want to have some, uh, some of that frosting. I, I, I've had multiple tweet responses on the frosting for sure. A lot of people say, John, can you get Dace to sprinkle his frosting on us? Can you get him to do that for us? You don't, don't, don't know if I had that request specifically, but something in that along those or lines. Or maybe, uh, maybe worded a little bit differently. Uh, Actually, different w- yeah, perhaps one per sure. one person said that they'll never, they'll never listen to the term sprinkling frosting the same way ever again. Although I can't say I've ever heard it before you used it, so. <laughs> uh, I like Virginia. Uh, the Cavs have been one of the, the really nice stories in college football this year. Bronco Mendenhall has shown he still knows how to coach. And you get worried, too. You know, a guy leaves a program where he did a really good job at BYU. Um, and, and when he took over, BYU was kind of struggling and not struggling like they are this year. 
but they were sort of a six or seven win program. He brought them back to uh, a perennial eight to 10 win top 25 kind of program again, leaves and goes to Virginia where there's really, it's an odd fit. He has no ties. It's a completely different environment, public liberal arts school founded by Thomas Jefferson to a religious school founded by Brigham Young. I mean, in, in Utah, you couldn't get a much different culture and it looked bad last year. His successor takes over at BYU and, and wins nine games. And he takes over in Charlottesville and wins two games. And so you're thinking, oh, boy. Well, here we are, and now you're seeing that, that you know, Broncos' successor at BYU is suffering through the most losses that school's had in, in over a half century. And now Virginia has tripled their win total. They're already bowl eligible. They're already going to a bowl game. And this has been a rivalry that Virginia Tech has owned for well over a decade. And But if you look at the way Tech is playing, they seem to be descending a little bit. They struggled a lot more with Pitt than was expected a week ago. Virginia played very well against Miami uh, until the Hurricanes realized who they were in the fourth quarter. I, I just think this is a spot that is similar to the game I'm watching right now, uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And, yeah, I know that that Nick Fitzgerald got hurt from Mississippi State, but Ole Miss already had a seven already had scored first and stopped Mississippi State a couple of possessions even beforehand because this when 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 you are the 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 school that has been the underdog in, in in a rivalry for a long time or you're the underdog in a rivalry like this, if you have any semblance of competent quarterback play, then odds are if it's a big number you're going to cover it because the emotion is on your side. And I, I think Virginia definitely has competent quarterback play, uh, and I think they're going to win this game straight up. In fact, this, I'm putting 14 points on Virginia here in, my, in this game. Hmm. Central Florida. I notice we disagree a lot, by the way. Yeah, a lot. We, we do. Central Florida and South Florida. Is Central Florida – which team's home? Because you put them both in caps. Oh, I'm sorry. Central Florida's at home. Central Florida's at and home? And by the way, you know when we disagree a lot, that means I'm – the, the point total is probably going to remain what it is right now because we're probably going to split these. Yeah, That's exactly. That's typically how it works, yeah. you know. So, I took I, I I didn't have a read on this either way, regardless of, whom, of whomever the home team was. Uh, I'll put one point on South Florida, although you say Central Florida is the home team, right? Yes. Okay, so I, one point on South Florida. I'm not going to change it. I, I, Scott Frost is at Central Florida. South Florida is in Tampa. That's what I know. One point. I'll take South Florida. Well, my personal picks, one of the games I got wrong last week is I liked Temple, which had been playing very well the last few games, at home getting two touchdowns from Central Florida. Cold weather, Florida team goes up north, plays in Philly. Distractions with Scott Frost being mentioned for several big-name jobs, and Central Florida just wasn't having any of that, man. So to me, and that was the look-ahead game to this game. I mean, until South Florida lost about a month ago, this was being looked at as essentially the group of five championship game all year long. And when you look at the two teams, uh, and if you've watched them, South Florida has their own kind of Denard Robinson kind of player and Quentin Flowers, who's, who's lifted that program. But Central Florida has a team. I mean, their, their team speed, the, the game speed that they play with, that they play at, it's like watching – a group of two and three star guys play a southeastern conference style of football and and they just they just take names every week 
every single week, and I think they're going to do it here as well. I think Quinton Flowers will get some of his numbers, but man, one to twenty-two, I don't think it's even close. So I'm I'm putting eight points here, even with the big number on the Knights. Let's let's drive off the road just a little bit here. I want to get your I'm putting you on the spot. Um, your predictions: Who will be hired at UCLA? Well, I go back to what I wrote in July in my college football preview in my crystal ball. Mm. I predicted Jim Moore would be fired and replaced by Chip Kelly. Okay. So I'm going to stick with that. All right. Nebraska. And to me, if Chip Kelly was going to go to Florida, wouldn't you have gone by now? He would have already Job's, gone. Job's been open longer. You're, you're losing recruiting time. Every day counts with the early signing period. You know what I'm saying? So if you would think if you were going to go to Florida, you would have said that by now. All right. You look at the timing of what UCLA did, firing Mora on his birthday, paying a $12 million buyout. UCLA's considered, of all the traditional powers, they're considered the cheapest. Them making that kind of move, I can't believe it was without no, without you know knowing that they had at least a really good shot at Chip Kelly. Well, then why haven't they made the announcement using the same logic you just applied to Florida? Why, well, the, you know the recruit the recruiting class the recruiting clock is ticking. Why hasn't well, UCLA the, made the job announcement? Just got open on Monday, John. Florida's been open for two weeks. Bro, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. Hurry up. <laughs> they just opened the they just opened the job on Monday. I wonder if they have like some state job posting. Rule. And there's that there may be that factor too, you know, at both schools there may be that factor. But one of the other th- things that that I think is telling in the Florida situation is the entire administration right. went to his home in New Hampshire, including the sports information director, which you think he's going to craft the re- the release and all that stuff. Well, the entire brass goes up there and comes home empty-handed. Eh, yeah, I think. You know, I don't know. Maybe he'll shock us tomorrow. You know, Chip Kelly has a history of being enigmatic with coaching changes. Uh, you know, he he took the Eagles' job, then wasn't going to take it, then took it again. You mean if you think back to that a few years ago, for example, um, I can't remember which NFL team the year before the Eagles hired him thought they had him, and then he decided to come back to school. So maybe in the end, maybe tomorrow we'll wake up. He'll shock us. It'll be Florida. I, I just think though, all along I believed going back to the start of the year. His recruiting base, where he built the Oregon program, was recruiting California kids. If, if, with all due respect to Chris Peterson, who's a fine coach, if you're if, if you're Chip Kelly, and you've got it, and and the, and you and your your route to a play to the playoffs is beating Clay Helton and Chris Peterson, or it's beating Nick Saban and all those SEC programs with massive budgets and facilities that make the Pac-12 look like the Mac. What are you picking, John? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. So then what's Florida do in, your, in the day's I think they, ball? When we talked about this last week, I said if they don't get Kelly, they have to get Scott Frost. They, they have to come out of this with a buzz coach. They went, they went and did – if you look at what they've done already, all right, so they went and got a defensive guy in Ron Zook – didn't work, so they had to go get the offensive star and and Urban Meyer. This last go around, they got the mid American or they got the, the the mid-major coach, who who was a who had a good resume and was supposedly ready for the next step. That was Jim McElwain. They, they you know, um, but but it, but when they got him, a lot of people were like, who? They got to get an it name. They have to get an it name at Florida this time, otherwise their fans are going to revolt. They can't come back with Mike Norvell or somebody like that. So I, I think it's I think for them it is it is to Scott Frost a blank check 
that we need you. You're the it guy. You're the Tom Herman, the new hotness. We have to have this name. We have to have a name. Like we had to have Urban Meyer coming out of Utah several years ago when they were undefeated with Alex Smith. I think Florida's in that situation again. Okay. That said, who does Florida hire? I think it'll be Scott Frost. Okay. I so think you think I, you I think he'll you think he'll turn down Nebraska? I do. I've told you all along. I I, I told you the, when we did the podcast after they hired that AD that whatever the odds were, they were going to get Scott Frost. At that time, maybe it was 90. I don't know. Whatever they were, I think I told you, I think they're halved. I think that AD is a troubling hire to bring him home because it's not a Nebraska guy. It's not. It's a guy that's also pushing 70. And So, Steve, why does that matter? Well, at, at Nebraska, there isn't another program that matters, really. Okay, so their men's basketball program is a nothing burger. So that means if the AD is not Mr. Husker, if, if the AD is not, you know, Norm, Nebraska Norm, that means Scott Frost, when you're the favorite son, takes on the added extra pressure of not just rebuilding a once-proud program that I think of all the, the major top 15 all-time traditional powers in college football – I think now they are easily the hardest of, the, of all those schools to recruit to because of where they're at geographically in the league they're in. You, that's a, so that's a, that's, a tough, that's a tough ask anyway. But now you're going to ask him to be the face of an athletic department, meaning boosters don't give a rip about talking to who the AD is. When the AD wants to close, we need a new weight room. He ain't, he, no one's taking his call. No one cares. So they're going to take Scott Frost's call. And I go back to what – Brian Kelly said last right before the season started this year and when he did a he did a pretty interesting interview I can't remember who it was with and he had kind of a come to Jesus interview and he talked about last year when they were four and eight and he said you know when I went back and looked at everything I did wrong last year and he goes you know um the number one thing I did wrong is I got de- I, I took too much time away from my football team to fundraise and be the face of the Notre Dame athletic department. And so I wasn't there in January and February for winter conditioning and those things when you're really building your team and bonding and your chemistry. I think that's a major worry for Scott Frost at Nebraska. And I think if you have the option of just going in your own neighborhood there in the central part of the state of Florida and recruiting there um, with a school that can get you better athletes running your system than Nebraska can, I think that's an. I think that's the choice he will make. Then who does Nebraska hire? I have no earthly idea. I really don't. Mike Leach. I, I think at this point, that'd be an excellent hire for them because of a, he's a good coach with a gimmick. I have no idea how his personality plays in a fishbowl. Like he, that. He's he's one of the most entertaining interviews there is in the sport. Have you been re- listening, watching yes. his videos this year? Yeah, they're, they're like laugh out loud funny almost every yeah, they time. Are. Yeah, I don't get – and, and this is nothing about me being a Cyclone fan. I think it would be a terrible move for Matt Campbell. A terrible move. A terrible Stephen move. Stephen M. Sippel had Campbell on his list today. I think it's a bad move for him. I, I, I hate I, – Nebraska's a better program. Right now, Matt Campbell has a better job, and here's what I mean by that. He has a job where he has many of the exact same recruiting problems – Nebraska has, but not nearly the level of expectation. Right. We think we think he he is tiptoeing between raindrops without getting wet for going seven and four. All right. They are. 
that's been sort of Nebraska's median win total the last few years. And they're firing a coach for that. I, 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 if I'm Matt Campbell, particularly I bring, bring back the team I'm bringing back next year at Iowa State, if I win six to eight games again next year in the, at Iowa State, I'm Scott Frost now. Florida's calling me. Now, if I'm Matt Campbell and Tennessee calls me, I think I probably have to take that job. Okay? And I, and I say this as a Cyclone fan. I would not touch Nebraska. I'm 37 years old. I don't know anybody there. There's a 70-year-old, an AD there that's pushing pushing 70 from another part of the country. I don't go near that. I, I've got – I'm making a nice living right now at Iowa State. I'm bringing back a, a lot of these guys next year. I, to me, that's – that's not – I don't think it's as good a job as the one that he has right now. It's a better program, but with where it's at and what is expected of you and what the fan base is – and here's the other thing too. Matt Campbell's not a gimmick. What's been – you know, I just had I just had breakfast the other day with Ben Bruns, and I haven't ta- hadn't talked to Ben in years, and we had breakfast the other day, and we were talking about this, is that, that Matt Campbell has done something I never thought you could do at Iowa State. Win without a gimmick. Mac had a gimmick. Mac was his own gimmick. The guy who could sell, you know, ice to Eskimos. Campbell has none of that kind of charisma. Doesn't have a flashy offense. I mean, you know, they're running an old '70s style three-four defense from NFL films. You know, I mean, there's no gimmick there. He's done it all on life lessons, old school football, nose to the grindstone, things of that nature. Um, and I just don't think. I think Nebraska, you can't deliver what that fan base wants without the the things that Matt Campbell is not. And, you know, I like it like a school like Tennessee, which has tried gimmicks with Lane Kiffin and tried marketing slogans with Butch Jones. I think a guy like Matt Campbell that just goes in there sure of himself, as Jim Zobel used to say, quiet sense of confidence and just as a grown ass man. and, And you know what I'm saying? It's just an adult. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what they need. He's ex- he's exactly what Tennessee needs. They need they need an adult. Nebraska needs life transformation. Um, and I just don't think Matt presents that. I think it's a dead end for him. I, I think it's I, I think it's Fred Hoiberg going to the Chicago Bulls at the exact wrong time just because they're a big name and you want out of college coaching. Um, I, I don't think it's a good move. I wouldn't do it if I was Matt. I really wouldn't. And that doesn't mean, you know, he, he's there are much better jobs in Iowa State. I just think right now that's not one of them. Hmm. I don't know what you think, but that's my opinion. No, I, I, I think that all is very sound. Very sound. Um, let's go to Iowa State. They are on the road this week at Kansas State. Kansas State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I've taken Iowa State a lot this year. Uh, I like their team, respect the job that uh, Matt Campbell has done. I'm not exactly sold on David Montgomery's health or down to who knows what string quarterback. I, I'm i going to put 15 points on K-State here. Yeah, I don't typically take K-State a lot when they're a favorite. I always take them 100% when they're an underdog. I'm going to put four here on Iowa State, mainly because last week was the one where I really thought they were going down, that the situation was terrible. Baylor played well the last couple of games had played very well at home against even better teams than Iowa State, uh, like Oklahoma, down to the wire. Um, And the way the Cyclones just went in there professionally. And then after David Montgomery got hurt, just the way they just went in there, did their business, closed things out. Uh, Obviously, K-State with a huge win a week ago at Oklahoma State. So they got their 
sixth win. They're going to a bowl game. Uh, and, and I think so they're going to a bowl game. There's no chip on their shoulder, no revenge spot there. So to me, this now just becomes straight up, even up football. K-State may be on a fourth string quarterback given their situation too. Well, just straight up football. That's kind of been Iowa state's game. So I'll take the cyclones here, but I could see this going either way. So I'm only putting four points on it. Next up, we have Georgia at Georgia Tech. The Bulldogs are favored by 11. I hate that prep. It's just such a tough departure for the next week. I'm going to go ahead and take Georgia, but I'm only putting four on it. That's exactly why I'm taking Georgia Tech here. I think it's a nightmare scenario for Georgia. Um, it, it's They have dominated this you know, This is an odd rivalry where the road team covers the spread like every year for for like a decade. So I'm not so much concerned about the short turnaround time for the triple option, although when they had the short turnaround time a year ago, Georgia really struggled with that, and Georgia Tech went into Athens and won. But, you know, that's why, hey, if you're an Iowa fan, your team's having a disappointing season right now. Um, well, we, you know, well, you know, yeah, we got a lot of guys coming back, but that may not be good. Georgia was eight and five last year, man. They spent two weeks number one this this month. I mean, Miami was nine and four last year, and that, that was their that was after winning like their first bowl game in a decade. They're number two in the country right now. So yeah, when you're dealing with guys eighteen to twenty two years old, a lot can change in a year. A lot can change in a year. And so you look at, I'm not so much concerned about the preparation aspect of it, although Kirby Smart and Georgia struggled to prepare for it last year. What I'm worried about is I take, this is where we have to look at trends holistically. So the trend in this series for more than a decade has been road team always covers. I think, though, you throw that trend out right now, and here's why. Because during that time, Georgia's never had this level of bullseye on their back on the road against their in-state rival. They've never had this. The last time they were in the SEC championship game was 2012. That's an even-numbered season, which means the game was in Athens. They've not been this highly ranked in a long time. They were number one in the country two weeks ago in November for the first time since Herschel Walker wore a Georgia uniform. So So this is where we have to be careful in how we play trends because this makes the situation, I think, much different. And then you have to throw this in. Georgia Tech had a very winnable game canceled earlier this year because of a hurricane. So they're 5-5. Five and five. This is their last game. And, this, and if they lose, their season is over. So I think you throw all of those factors in here, and I think Georgia's going to be lucky to get out of here alive and into the SEC championship game next week. And there's one more thing to throw in here that I think comes up later in another game we're going to talk about, too. When you already know you're in your conference championship game next week, and that's really the important game, this is not a situation where you're piling on styling point, style points for a playoff committee. Once you think you've got a working lead, you're getting the hell out of there. Because if you lose, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Georgia wins 50 to nothing against Georgia Tech. Right. They lose the SEC championship game, they're out. Same thing with Ohio State at Michigan. Same thing with Clemson at South Carolina. They don't need style points. They need to... Because if they lose the next week, it won't matter how impressive they look this week. So I think that also, if, if, if even if I'm wrong and Georgia gets out and gets ahead early, I think that creates your classic backdoor cover situation. So I'm putting 13 on Georgia Tech. 
Washington is at home against Washington State in the Apple Cup. I'm taking Washington State to cover the 10-point spread. Just two on it, though. Yeah, I'm going to put nine on the Cougars here as well. You know, I just think that's a hell of a lot of points for a Washington team that's not been that impressive. But the last two years, the Huskies have scored like 90 combined points on Washington State. So, um, But I'm going to put nine on Washington State just because that's a lot of points to lay. They have, even though I think Washington is a better team, Washington State has a couple of factors going, the, the underdog and the rivalry factor, and they've got more than a competent quarterback. They've got one of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of that conference and Luke Falk. But if they win, they're in the Pac-12 championship game. So I, I still think Washington wins this game at home, but I'll take the 10 points. Next up is Notre Dame at Stanford. One and a half points is what the Irish are favored by. I'm taking Stanford. Uh, three points. I don't feel good either way. I don't like this game at all. I've got three points on Notre Dame. But what worries me, this is another game where I think you look at a trend. And in the Harbaugh-Shaw era, since 2009, Stanford has been a home underdog eight times. They're 8-0 against the spread with seven straight-up wins. But, well, Steve, that sounds like your kind of trend. But this is another odd situation in that Stanford, if Washington beats Washington State, is in the Pac-12 championship game next week. They already have three losses. So they're not playing for a spot in the college football playoff. You know, if you're Stanford and the choice is we, if, if we, we go eight and four, but win our Pac-12 championship game, or we go nine and three and we don't get in the Pac-12, what do you think they'd rather do? Mm-hmm. Would they rather have a Pac-12 championship? You also throw in Bryce Love is really banged up. I mean, I, I think it's possible we could see him sparingly. Like, this is, again, where Stanford not playing for a spot in the playoff matters. If Stanford had one loss, then Bryce Love is going out there on, you know, a cart if he has to. But he's got three loss, three. They got three losses, and they might be in the Pac-12 championship game next week. How much you get to really run him? Because it's clear next week's more important. Meanwhile, for Notre Dame, I think this is a this is a game. I think they feel like they have to win to change the perception of their program because they never they they just have not done this under Brian Kelly. And really in several years, and that's win these road games against ranked teams. So with these two things going back and forth, I, I don't I don't really have a good read on this, which is why I'm only putting three points on Notre Dame. And I think the spread reflects this as well. I mean Vegas essentially has this is a pickup, right, basically. Right. Iron Bowl, Alabama is at Auburn. What you just talked about earlier makes a lot of sense for this. I'm I'm taking Bama minus four, only putting seven on it. I've liked Auburn here from the start of the year in this game. Because I thought it took a little bit longer than I thought it would. But the last month, you've seen how Jared Stidham has changed the Auburn program, completely changed it. And his numbers are really good. I mean, his completion percentage is near 70. You know, his touchdown interception ratio is 16 to 4. But he's not Cam Newton, right? But what I mean by transforming that program is the last, they, they got the defense figured out, they have their running game. What they've lacked is a quarterback that makes you take a safety out of the box, which makes that running game even tougher to stop. And now they have that. They have a guy with the arm talent 
to cha- to change field position to stretch the field. You saw Georgia's defense get annihilated, struggling with that when they came in number one in the country a couple of weeks ago. Alabama's defense very beat up at the linebacker spot, um, and it's it's not that. And, and Alabama, I think that's the worst situation I, with the way Alabama recruits. John, they could miss like a they could be missing a key player from like every position group and not miss a beat. But to have one position group just devastated by injuries. And we're playing fourth stringers now, true freshmen that they were going to redshirt are playing now. And you look at all the eye candy alignments and everything else that Gus Malzahn offense gives you. I like Auburn here to win this game. Nick Saban, in his entire coaching career, back to, at LSU and at Alabama, has never beaten an Auburn team in a year where they ended up with nine or more wins. Auburn right now, 9-2. and two. I think War Damn Eagle pulls the outright upset on Saturday. I'm putting 12 on Auburn. Clemson, 14-point favorite at South Carolina. I'll put five on Clemson, but I'm not really confident in this one either. This game is exactly like what we talked about earlier, in my view, as Georgia and Georgia Tech. Also, last year, Clemson just... I mean, they turned South Carolina into primordial soup, man. Just destroyed them. Won it by 50 points or something. And I think when that happens to your in-state rival, you remember that the next year. And again, what did I say earlier? In a rivalry game, when you're a major underdog and you have at least a competent quarterback, you're probably going to cover that most of the time. Jake Bentley is a more than competent quarterback. I think it's another game, you know, against, against Florida State a couple weeks ago, Dabo was tacking on a touchdown with 23 seconds left to cover the spread. I don't think he's doing that this week. All right, they, they got the ACC championship game next week. Get ahead, get the hell out of Dodge, get ready for the whole season's on the line next week. So I like South Carolina here a lot. In fact, it's my 15-point game this week is them plus the points. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you, Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. Michigan State 14-point favorites is our next game. They are at Rutgers. And, man, I... I just I don't have a lot of confidence in a lot of these games this week, but I'm taking Michigan State. Um, this is kind of a ho hum game, not a, really a lot on the line. Putting eight on the Spartans. I like Rutgers here. I think it's going to be kind of their bowl game. There's really nothing for Sparty to play for. I think they're pretty much locked, depending on what happens and how many Big Ten teams get in the New York Six. I think they're pretty much locked into a Florida bowl game, one way or the other. So. Um, and they don't cover these numbers. I went and looked. Um, the only game they've covered as a favorite in the Big Ten this season was when Indiana let them score at the end of the game. They were a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in that game and won by eight because Indiana let them score at the end to get the ball back. 
Mm-hmm. That's, they, they were a 17 point favorite at home against Maryland in a snowstorm with a fourth string quarterback last week. They didn't cover that game. So I'm putting 11 points on Rutgers here. And I was close to sprinkling a little frosting on the money line, mm. in fact. People would have liked that. Yeah. People would have liked that. Ohio State, 13-point favorites at Michigan. I, I don't really know how Michigan's going to score many points. I'm going to put 14 on the Buckeyes. Well, what did I say earlier? If you're a major underdog in a rivalry game and you have competent quarterback play, you're probably going to cover. Michigan does not have competent quarterback play. So, to me, this is either an all-time 13-10. I mean, I've said this to several Michigan. Well, look what Iowa did. Well, guys, we can't beat Iowa either. So, I'm not sure that's the best rationale. I mean, Michigan hasn't beaten Iowa since 2006. So, I'm not sure saying, well, but Iowa beat them really works. So, throw that out. Um, I mean, you know, we've done everything. Harbaugh's done everything right rebuilding the program. But the last step is they have to develop a quarterback. And when you're playing John O'Corn, your third stringer against a three-time captain, uh, negatory. So this is a case where either this is an epic 13-10 Michigan upset or it's going to be a 31-10 Ohio State victory. And I'm going for the latter. So I got five points on Ohio State. Purdue, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Indiana, putting 13 on the Boilermakers. I'm going the other way. I'm putting seven on Indiana. And this is pure hunch. Okay, this is not one of the personal picks I've done I've, I've, for me this week. I stayed off this game. Um, but I'm, I'm going to play a hunch here that it's a program game. That this is a major step for Purdue to take from a four-year, one of the worst four-year tenures or, or resumes of a Big Ten team, not called Francis P's 1980s era Northwestern. We've seen maybe since then. And to go right from that to I'm a favorite against my in-state rival and go to a bowl game, I wonder a little bit, and this is just, I have no data here, just a hunch, is that too big a step to take for in one fell swoop for the Purdue program? And Indiana's kind of been here before. They're playing for their third straight bowl victory or third straight bowl bid. So I'm going to take the Hoosiers on a hunch for that reason only, just a gut here uh, and putting seven on Indiana. Next up is Penn State, minus 21 uh, at Maryland. I'm taking Penn State. I- I'm just going with a lot of uh, a lot of chalk this week. Probably not going to turn out well for me. Nine points on Penn State to cover. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, Maryland considers this a rivalry game. Penn State does not. Penn State's up 52-17 to 17 last week at home. It's 52-44. to 44. Um, I- I'm just not confident in either their offensive line or their defense to cover a huge number. I don't think Maryland's that good either. So I'll take the points, but to cover myself, to measure my liability, I'm only putting six on Maryland. Northwestern, 16-point favorites against Illinois. Uh, liked how Northwestern's finished. It was a few weeks ago um, we said, you know what, Northwestern might not lose again. They haven't. Uh, the 16-point favorites, I'm going to put 12 on the Wildcats to cover this number. I'm taking Northwestern, too, but I'm only putting two points on it, only because we just don't typically see them just destroy people on the road like this, even when they're really good. you know. Um, but I think this is a, a miniature of the Michigan-Ohio State game where you know, if you're a big underdog in, a, in your rivalry game with a competent quarterback, you're going to cover. 
Well, what's the one thing Illinois and Michigan have in common? They don't have a competent quarterback. So I'll take Northwestern, but they don't just typically roll people like this on the road, so I'm only going to put two points on it. Wisconsin, 17-point favorites at Minnesota. Minnesota was shut out last week at Northwestern. 17. I, I wonder if Minnesota, how many points? I mean, I don't see them scoring over 10. That means Wisconsin's got to win 27 10. I, I think they can. I'm going to put 11 on the Badgers. I'm going to go the other way here because I think this is a case of a pride issue for Minnesota. Um, the way they got destroyed last week, you come home and play your big rival. I, I just have to think if, if, if you have. If P.J. Fleck has any kind of juice with his team, they're going to respond in a situation like this after how they were just embarrassed a week ago. I went back and looked, and, I and, and you know, I, I think you got to go back to Tim Brewster era for Wisconsin to win by more than eight points or more than ten points against Minnesota in their rivalry game here on the road. Um, it's also a sandwich game here for Wisconsin. Well, it's their rivalry game. It is. They've had two major games nat- where, where the nation was saying about Wisconsin, now is the time to put up or shut up, right? So Iowa after Iowa, 50 burgers, Ohio State. Michigan last week. They've got the Big Ten championship game a week from now. I think this is another situation where I don't think Paul Christ is, you know, he's number five in the playoff, not number eight. So it doesn't matter if he beats Minnesota 31 to 10 or 24 to 10. What matters is Alex Hornibrook doesn't get blindsided with three minutes left in the fourth quarter, which you know blows the wad of my entire season with Indianapolis a week from now. So I'm going to take, I think, the situation, all the matchups favor Wisconsin, but I think all the intangibles and situation favors Minnesota. So I'm going to take the Gophers here and put 10 points on them, in fact. Last game, Iowa is at Nebraska. Iowa doesn't score a lot of points. I mean, almost at this point in time, the Ohio State game, I, I almost kind of toss it out as an aberration. Not sure what team is going to show up, actually. And Nebraska, same thing. Who knows who's going to show up for them? They're going to be probably learning their coaches been fired the day after this game. This is really, really hard for me to get a feed on. Uh, Iowa hasn't inspired me enough to go with them. I'm going to put 10 on Nebraska to cover wow. this line. I have no read on this. I, I I think whoever scores first in this game is going to win. Right, let me say this. I think whoever scores the first touchdown in this game will win. I think if Nebraska gets an early taste of success, then it's – rally around Mike Riley and let's, you know, end the season on a high note. I think if Iowa gets the opening kickoff and, or gets and goes 80 yards for a touchdown or puts Nebraska in a three and out and, and gets a touchdown, then I, then I think that's where shut her down, bro. All right. So, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know which team is more likely to do either one given where they are at right now. So, I have a hard time believing, though, Iowa is just going to embrace the suck under Ferentz three weeks in a row. We just haven't seen that in the in Kirk's 20 years here. We typically see their their poopiest performances. They usually respond well. Well, I thought that was last week against Purdue. You did not. I should have listened to you. <laughs> All right? You were right. All right? So um, 
I just can't believe they're going to just drop a deuce on themselves three in a row. When was the last time you saw an Iowa program do that, John, under Ferentz? Three bad games in a row? Yeah, just drop a deuce on themselves three in a row. When was the last time they did that? Well, I mean, 2006 comes to mind. I mean, I'm, I'm pulling this up here. More than a decade. I mean, 2006 ended this way. Um, a 21-7 loss against Northwestern, which, if memory serves, was one of the most pathetic offensive displays I can recall. And they lost 21-24 to a 12-1 Wisconsin team. Well, that's a good showing. Uh, that's actually. a good showing. Yeah. And then 34-21 to Minnesota before losing to Texas. So they lost four in a row there. Um, 2000, but I wouldn't say yeah. that's dropping a deuce on yourself. No. You know I mean, you I wouldn't say that. a couple of big-game opponents pretty competitively. The last two weeks, they didn't look like they even – they looked like a JV team the last two weeks. Uh, so they're just they're, – they're wedding themselves. So I have to believe they will play better. You know, but, but – I, I also think if Nebraska gets some early success, the crowd, the emotion, I think favors them. I, I So I don't know what to believe. So I'm going to take Iowa, but I'm only putting one point on it. I, I don't know what happens in that game. I'm, I'm truly fascinated psychologically to find out, actually. All right. That'll do it for these picks. We will be back. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow or Friday. Um, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully you listen to it Friday. Otherwise, you know, it'll be kind of a post-reaction to look back. And then with the Instant Reaction Podcast, and Steve and I will talk about it on Sunday as well. For Steve, I'm John. Thanks for listening.